Basketball teams are entering the final month of their regular season as they gear up for the playoffs. While some teams are locks to make the playoffs, others are still fighting for their opportunity to chase the trophy this summer. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is putting you in the center of the action with a chance to turn $1 into $100 in free bets. Turning $1 into $100 is simple. Pick any basketball team to win their next game, and if during that game, the team of your choosing hits a three-pointer, you bring home $100 in free bets. That's 100 to 1 odds on the team of your choosing to hit a three. They don't even need to win. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 in free bets if the basketball team of your choosing hits a three. That's code THPN to turn $1 into $100 in free bets. For a limited time only, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Berlansky, and as always, I am joined by Nicholas J. Horwat. How's it going today, Horwat? Well, it's going good. Uh, things, are, a lot of things are coming up. Millhouse in my personal life, so that's always good. But this this hockey team is uh, it's making me drink a little. Yeah, it's been a rough couple of games for the Pittsburgh Penguins, and I know in our last episode we discussed the shellacking that the Penguins took to the Boston Bruins on Saturday in that 7-5 loss. And since then, only one game has been played, and it was not a pretty result. So we'll discuss the Penguins' 8-4 loss to the New York Rangers from Tuesday. We'll also talk a little bit about injury news for the Penguins, as well as upcoming matchups and a trade deadline primer. And considering it is our Thursday episode, even though we are live on Facebook and Twitter here this Wednesday evening, we will be having our shout-outs and call-outs segment to round out the show. But Horat, let's start it off by talking about that game on Tuesday. There's not many positives to be taken from what we saw. Overall, what was your feeling watching that game? Um, distress and wanting to cry for help, but <laughs> knowing that these sorts of games happen, sometimes you just get speed-bagged. You don't like seeing it two games in a row. But, you know, you realize it's the NHL. I thought to myself quite often before the game, you know what, the Rangers are a very good team. We see them just randomly have eight, nine goal games out of nowhere for no reason. Um, and we just so happen to be at the wrong end of one of those games. Um, it always sucks. It sucks that in the last two games it's been, you know, something like that. You know, those seven to eight goal games against goals against games but you know what things could have been way worse I guess I don't know how much worse could they have been really it could have been a nine to nothing game like the Rangers steamrolled the Flyers earlier in the season yeah and that's kind of what I was getting at like the Rangers always seem to just pop off on these games there's certain games that you know they are all of a sudden these their high scoring wingers decide to just take advantage and they're putting up eight nine goals a game we were able to fight back a little. It was really depressing trying to watch, you know. I mean, I couldn't watch it. I will say my TV was being weird, and I decided to finally turn it off. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and I, that was probably for the better, really. And I don't know. Tried listening to it, got sad, turned that off, and that was that. So I got nothing much on the game visually because I couldn't see a ton of it. But um, I mean, if you look at the score, clearly nothing good happened. Yeah, there was not much to take away. It was better than the optics would appear looking at an 8-4 game, to be completely honest. And before we continue, real quick shout-out to Sly Fox Sports Pod, who is tuning in. What's going on, buddy? But as far as the game is concerned, yeah, there's not too much to take away that was positive for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Their, their power play was able to score a goal. 
Jared McCann being able to get the tally, and it was a good quick goal there whenever they were down 3 to nothing. Their penalty kill was absolutely abysmal, probably the worst that it has been. But the offense, barring that first 15 minutes, the Penguins forwards did not have an awful game. They still put in four goals against Igor Shosturkin, who was on his game on Tuesday, but still able to get four goals. Unfortunately, most of those were chasing goals. The Penguins were never tied with the Rangers after the first goal of the game, but I want to talk a little bit and break this down into kind of parts. I want to first start with that PK because it was definitely the de facto worst part of this game. The Penguins gave up three power play goals on three opportunities for the New York Rangers. Did not look like they had any opportunity to kill any penalties. And although they did have a stretch where they played extremely well on the penalty kill and kind of overachieved, they finally seem to be taking the loss of Brandon Tanev and Teddy Bluger to heart. And that's what it kind of looked like on Tuesdays. They were missing their leaders on the penalty kill. And that led to three Rangers goals that obviously turned the tides of the game. Yeah. Who 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 were the forwards on the penalty kill without those two? Zach Aston Reese. Freddie Gaudreau has stepped up and played a lot of minutes. I know Jared McCann has had some time on the penalty kill, but other than those two, I believe I've seen Lafferty out there as well. Sevier has had some time on the penalty kill. So it's definitely a depleted core of penalty killing forwards. Yeah, it is for sure. I mean, Frederick Gaudreau, for as great as he's been, has never played on the penalty kill before. I can finally confirm that at an NHL level. So, you know, I mean, he hasn't been bad. I mean... Oh, for three last night doesn't help things, but I mean, yeah, was it his unit? I mean, weren't two of them like quick? From what I remember, they were like, quick power play goals. Yeah, when I say the Penguins didn't seem like they had any opportunity to stop the Rangers' power play, that's because it, they allowed the goal in the first 15, 20 seconds of the power play. So it, it was not a good showing at all for Mike Vellucci's pa- penalty killing lineup at all. Yeah, not ideal. And that's a core that can probably do something with the penalty kill. I mean, like I said, Goudreau's kind of learning it at an NHL level, but it's not ideal whenever he has never done that before. He's taken on a lot of minutes. Um, you know, I proving to be very well worth it. I think if anyone sees my Twitter recently, I wrote an entire story about the guy as to why he should be staying in this lineup. Mm-hmm. And I firmly believe it. I do think he should stay up here. Um, but just not on the penalty kill, ideally, I guess, because it's not his position. It's something he's never done before. And learning on the fly in the middle of the season like this is not what you want to do for him. And as for everyone else, I mean, Colton Sevier, I noticed a couple games ago, was killing penalties and looked decent. But Sevier's a guy I don't want to see in the lineup too much more either. So it's coming down to the wire with these guys that have been good at replacement level stuff. But we just need our key killers to get healthy again. Yeah, and one of those forwards is Teddy Bluger, who does seem to be on the verge of a return. He's been kind of on the verge of a return for the past three outings, at least both games in Boston. There was an opportunity that we thought maybe he was going to return. We thought maybe then he would return on Tuesday against the Rangers, not to be. We'll keep an eye open for Thursday night's game against New York, but it seems like he is knocking on the door of getting back into the lineup, which is going to be a major boost for the Pittsburgh Penguins. He actually won the Pens poll for last week, which was who was going to be the best addition from the injury list. It it was Teddy Bluger. Of course, that was barring Evgeny Malkin's name from that entire poll. But on Tuesday, the Penguins power play did cash in. Jared McCann got that power play goal that brought it to a three to one game in the first period. It was a pretty good shot from the point. It helped that he had a lot of traffic in front. And McCann has been very, very good since coming back from injury the first time. Even coming back from that second injury, he's played and he's been able to produce. So maybe, maybe you try to maybe keep McCann on that top power play when everybody's healthy. I know it's kind of, you know, it's sacrilege to say anything other than Malkin and Crosby have to be out there. But is it the worst thing to have another trigger man out there instead of somebody else who's pass happy? It would just depend on who you're taking off of it. Um, that was one of the questions that the guys on Dying Alive answered was um, when Malkin comes back and healthy, 
do we stick him on the second power play unit? And they were all kind of like, don't galaxy brain this. Your best players go on the first line, and that's the way it is. Um, to galaxy brain it a little bit, though, I would say uh, it makes a little bit of sense to have a scoring threat, you know, a, a, a top-tier scoring threat on your second unit, kind of like sprinkling scores all throughout your lineup. That's kind of where that comes from. Um, so it's not ideal to for a power play to put your best guys on the second unit but it's different because you want your first unit to kind of just get the job done right away that's the point of a power play you get your all your top scorers out immediately they score in the first 30 seconds and you don't got to worry about the second unit but with the way our power play is going you hope that there's a good score down there and i like mccann on the second unit for the sake of there's a lot of threat that goes on to the first unit that um, the other team also puts out there they put out their better defenders you know that's kind of the key mm-hmm. of it there so then your second unit you got a good trigger man like mccann who's able to kind of attack the second tier defenders from a from a penalty killing unit and whoever depending on the team who knows that could be an awful second unit so you find advantages everywhere you don't want to galaxy brain it too much but mm-hmm. It just depends, I guess. I mean, it also depends on what the coaches want to do. You ideally want to see all of your top guys performing together, prove that they can do something together. Horwat, you know my tendencies. You know I always lean towards galaxy-braining everything just because I like to think of the ridiculous and hope that it happens. But I I understand that Jared McCann is not going to be kept on that first power play in favor of Evgeny Malkin in any rational conversation, but... It would probably be down between him and Brian Rust, and even in that, it might be a little bit of galaxy brain to think that McCann would out outdo Rust in that conversation either. Yeah, I mean, you also have to figure we have a lot of we have a lot of guys that can score goals. I mm-hmm. mean, you mentioned Rust might get taken off of it, McCann might get taken off of it. These are all guys that can score goals. You can even take Jake Gensel off of it. Another guy, another guy who can score goals because we also have Kasperi Kapanen coming back, who on a good day can really pick up a lot of goals not just assists so i mean listing those four names i just said that's you know mccann kapanen uh gensel and rust that's a good second power play unit right there throw a defenseman there because you know who we haven't said yet jason zucker who can also shoot the puck fairly well so a lot of these we have guys that can score it's basically like we're trotting out two top units Mm mm-hmm and the fair point is if you have read or seen quotes because they come out at least once a month about a Penguins player talking about how hard Jared McCann shoots the mm-hmm. puck. And it's been ever since he came to Pittsburgh and even Hunter Hodes of Locked On Penguins just right there. McCann's shot, though, is greater than it's he has such a hard shot, probably one of the hardest shots on the Pittsburgh Penguins. So. Yeah, there's a lot of good shooters for the Pittsburgh Penguins. You have Brian Ross, Jake Gensel. These guys are sharpshooters. These guys are snipers. But Jared McCann, kind of universally on that team at least, is thought of to have one of the top shots and probably the hardest shot amongst the forward group. So who knows what they're going to do. It's if the Penguins can get healthy because, once again, they got a player back from injury on Tuesday and they lost a player to injury on Tuesday. We'll see the extent of John Marino's injury. But before we get to that, I do want to talk about the player that they got back, which is Tristan Jari. After missing two games over the weekend against the Boston Bruins, Tristan Jari was able to return on Tuesday against the Rangers in, get this, the first game that he's played in Madison Square Garden since his NHL debut. So a nice little storyline there. And once the puck was dropped, that was the end of nice little storylines for Tristan Jari as he gave up four goals on 11 shots on goal was pulled after the first period of play. It was just not a good showing for Jari. And and to be fair, Casey DeSmith came in and also allowed four goals. So it's not like it got much better afterwards, but at least DeSmith's save percentage is a little higher than what Jari's was. And in total now, the Penguins have allowed 15 goals in the last two games. It's been rough. Man, I'll keep my horse race comment to the side for now, I guess, because we got boat raced in both games. Mm Mm-hmm. And yeah, Jari returned, which is great. It is for the long term, that's good that he's back. For the short term, aka that one game, at what cost of him coming back was that good for us? Because that wasn't good. Four goals and 11 shots is not ideal. That's, ooh, that's, 
That's Thomas Grice numbers when he was with us. I mean, that's beginning of the season Tristan yeah. Jari numbers. That's Philadelphia Tristan Jari numbers right there. Yeah, that's that's not ideal. Um, mm. Yeah, it was the first period. I saw a lot of guys, I saw a lot of people tweeting about how maybe he's still not 100%. I mean, he traveled. I think he was okay then. So mm-hmm. I won't take injury percentage into this. I'll just say uh, you also don't want to brush this off as sometimes this just happens, but it does. So part of it could be sometimes you just get hit like that. It just happens. And against the Rangers, no less, who, like I said multiple times already, they're they're a team prone to just putting up big games like that. Huge. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's part of it, and the other part of it can just be, you know, you got to get back up to game speed somehow. But again, he mm-hmm. missed what, two games? Three games? Yeah, he, he missed two. Yeah, you got to be Unless at you want to count the Islanders game where he left in the first period, then it'd be three. Yeah, you have you want to be at game speed. So there's a lot of different factors that can go into it. I won't play the injury card for it. I'll just say, you know, you got to get your legs, and sometimes you run into a, a hot team like that. They might vouch for a – the Rangers might vouch for a playoff spot. And honestly, if it meant the Rangers get into the playoffs over the Bruins and the Flyers, I'll take another loss. I will gladly take another loss. You really want both the Bruins and the Flyers to miss the playoffs that badly. Okay, well, the Flyers straight up just might not make it at this point. Yeah, the Flyers have kind of played themselves out of it. As we sit here right now, the Flyers have been overtaken by the Rangers, even though the two teams are tied in the standings. The Rangers, technically out of tiebreakers, are sitting above them in fifth place. So the the Flyers right now sit in sixth, technically. Yeah, and then as for the Bruins, I just don't like the Bruins, so... I hope for the worst. Yeah, that that's fair as well. But when it comes to Tristan Jari's performance on Tuesday, not all of it was his fault. The Penguins' defense was absolutely abysmal for the second straight game and kind of left him out to dry basically from the get-go. There was a breakaway and an odd man rush in the first two minutes that he didn't allow a goal. And then, of course, the goal started raining in on Tristan Jari and the Pittsburgh Penguins. So it is a whole sale defensive end goaltending issue that has happened in these last two games and yeah on Monday when we talked I said you know what it's not an issue yet after the Saturday afternoon loss and now with Tuesday happening it's still not necessarily the biggest issue I think a lot of people want to overreact simply because the trade deadline is only about four days away but you can't overreact to two games especially whenever Last Saturday, it was the perfection line that just had everything clicking on all cylinders. And on Tuesday, it was the New York Rangers, who are the youngest team in the NHL, and they just outplayed the Penguins in the same game the Penguins like to play. They like to play a speed game, and whenever they can't play a speed game, they like to try to trap. The Penguins weren't able to do that against the youngest team in the NHL. The Rangers were on Tuesday what I thought that they would be at their best this season, which is why I put them in the playoffs at the beginning of the year and why right now it's not looking as ridiculous. Now, we don't need to talk about my other prediction on the East Division because that was even more ridiculous. But Come down the, the Rangers, line, we'll go over all those again. Yeah, we'll, we'll go over those with about a week left in the season. You guys can all point out the fact that I had the Islanders finishing in seventh. But the Sabres finishing three up, but we'll go back to that. Uh, yeah, we'll go. We'll, we'll we'll get back to that. But the Pittsburgh Penguins on Tuesday were just outmatched by a team that is red hot right now. So you have to hope that on Thursday they can learn from their mistakes and they can cool them down. Yeah, yeah. And this is a team that's got a lot of veterans on it. And granted, they're not a lot of them are playing, but you know what? It's they're still an NHL caliber team. They're still a Mike Sullivan team. I'm sure a turnaround is inevitable. I mean. We got one more Ranger game, and the very next day we're in New Jersey. So, The next two and a half weeks, uh, not even two and a half weeks, but maybe two weeks are, I don't want to say light for the Pittsburgh Penguins, but considering what the schedule could look like, considering the division they're in, it is a light schedule, and they need to be able to take advantage right now because if they can do that, They'll posture themselves in a playoff spot and possibly in an advantageous one if they can turn things around. Yeah. I mean, making the playoffs at all would be solid. Um, Yeah. People aren't discussing it a lot, and I'm sure we'll have the discussions a lot more when slash if it happens. Um, There will be the 15th consecutive playoff appearance, postseason appearance for the Penguins, uh, and that's huge. 
It's not the Detroit Red Wings 25, but... Yet. Yeah, exactly, yet. But for what it is worth, 15 consecutive years, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but that's a big deal. Whenever it's for sure going to happen, there'll be a, I would hope there's a lot more discussion about it. Um, but, you know, you want the team to do good at all costs. Yeah, some of those years we scraped in. Um, but it's a big deal. So I would assume we still have a playoff team in our midst here. So we hope for the best and let's just turn it around. And like I said, this is a team that can definitely do that. 15 straight postseason appearances is a nice number, but you want to know what a nicer number is? is Four it? Stanley Cups in the Sidney Crosby era. Yeah. That's what we're chasing. Yeah. That at the end of the day, and we're not chasing anything. That's what the Penguins are chasing. And we're kind of on the, the coattails hoping to have fun with it. Yeah. That's, we've had fun with it three times before. I mean, hell, we've had fun with it 15 times before. Maybe some sorrow yeah. in there. I can think of four. Certain years. I can think of four where there was some real sorrow in it, but you know. Yeah. And two of them were the last two years. But. Yep. But so be it. Um, so be it. 15 years would be incredible. Four, for like I said, for what it's worth, the three we have now is something special because it's three. It was three in nine years. Yeah. Um, it's stuff that won't be replicated in this league for a long time, either way. And like I said, these are all discussions. These are all heartfelt, deep discussions that we will have. Far. These are off-season discussions. They are off-season discussions for sure. Let's get back a little bit into the injury pool because that is exactly and you mentioned it on the Eastern Division roundtable that you went on this past Monday that this has been the main storyline for the Pittsburgh Penguins for the last couple of seasons and that is putting it lightly. Of course, John Marino leaving the game on Tuesday in the third period with an undisclosed injury. There was no update given Tuesday night, Wednesday when the Penguins took the ice for practice. Marino was absent. He was said to have had a maintenance day, so no injury talk to be had by Mike Sullivan. We'll see what happens with him Thursday whenever this episode comes out. Hopefully, he can be in the lineup because the Penguins, again, they cannot keep getting ravaged by injuries, especially with the last month of the season coming up. They need to be as healthy as possible if they want to get into the playoffs and if they want to compete in the playoffs. So, John Marino, you just hope for the best with him. You do. I mean... So he hasn't had an ideal season yet. He started to look a little better in, more, in recent games. So now it's not the time for him to be getting hurt because he was one of – no, he was hurt, wasn't he, at one point? He was hurt. Or is he one of the guys that somehow avoided this whole he, thing? He, he got hurt. Okay. He missed a couple games because he's not on the March of the – not the March of the Penguins Madness, the uh, Iron Penguin Award. He is not eligible. Okay, so, yeah, it's – not, it's never At this point, it's not ideal to see anyone go down. I think Mark Jankowski could get hurt, and I would still say, that's not good because we are out of players. Pretty much. Um, but we have – I'm trying to remember our defensive depth. I know P.O. Joseph is there. I don't know what exactly the organization wants to do with him if that is call him back up. But, I mean, we got guys that can take cover. We got guys that can cover, and that's you know Ricola and Ruweedle. Whether or not we decide to play Ricola or not, uh, we're paying him for something, so I would assume maybe he would fill in somewhere at some point. But just the fact that he said that um, Coach Sullivan said maintenance day, that's a good mm -hmm. sign, right? That's got to be. It, it could be worse. It could have been day-to-day -day with an upper body injury or a lower body injury or whatever it is. Yeah, so we'll look at that as a net positive for now and hope for the best. So with Marino being kind of in this purgatory of injury, we'll see what happens with him. Brandon Tanev, since our last episode, did go onto the injured list with an upper body injury. He is week to week. That is a massive blow to this team, not only because, as we saw on Tuesday, he is definitely vital to the penalty kill if they allowed three goals and three opportunities, but... It's just the fact that he had just come back in that series against the Bruins and then to get hit and injured again. And he is kind of the heart and soul of this team when it comes to effort. I mean, nobody's going to question the effort of Sidney Crosby. Nobody's going to question the effort of Jake Gensel or Chris Letang. But you just see it so much more with Brandon Tanev because of how fast he goes and how he's, he's going the whole way, full speed, 
turbo the second he hits the ice until the second he gets back to the bench. And even then, he's chirping people and he's doing weird stuff on the bench and he has bug eyes and it's fantastic. So it is a massive blow for him to be out week to week once again. So you just have to hope that his recovery goes well and it is kind of in an expeditious manner because the Penguins, they really need a guy like Brandon Tanev back in the lineup. For sure. For sure. You covered it all right there. I mean, he's a guy that brings the energy. They call him Turbo for a reason. I think people want to start calling him the Sheriff now, which I am fully on board with. (laughs) I love that. Yeah, he's the guy that we go to. He's the one you put out there. He, He... after the timeout we took yesterday, he would have been the one we would have put out first shift after, I'd assume. There's, Most likely, yeah. There's it that, probably would have been that line. You take the timeout, you put that line out there, you get a little bit more of a jolt after a bit of a rest and a talking to. Maybe things look a little better, but maybe that's still, who knows, eight goals is one thing. Mm-hmm. But maybe you had a little bit more of hope. I mean, I saw the timeout and then a quick power play goal, and I figured, we're in this. We're somewhat in this. Oh, yeah. Um, but, and that all fell to shit quickly. Listen, on Tuesday, whenever the Penguins made a 3-1, to one, it was very apparent that they were in that game. Yeah. Because not only have they done it over the Crosby area, they've done it throughout this season on multiple, multiple occasions. But whenever they gave up that goal on the power play to the Rangers with 17 seconds left in the first, and it made it 4-1... to one, there's something about that that just made it seem like, okay, I could probably turn this game off and I know how it's going to end. I don't know if I could have called an 8-4 to final, but I would have probably been able to tell you that the Rangers were going to win that game. Not to say that I would have counted out the Penguins, but the momentum that was killed the second that power play goal was scored, you just knew the air was just immediately taken out of the Penguins' sails, and especially a late goal like that. Yeah, it wasn't It wasn't good. It's not, not at all what you wanted. And like I said, I couldn't watch it, and I guess that was for the better. I guess that was my TV telling me you don't want to do this. Don't do you don't want to see this. Don't do this to yourself. <laughs> so, no, that that one's in the past. We got more games to worry about ahead of us. It, it was not a fun game. Nope. And we'll close the book on it because it it was in the end of the day it was one game. It was an opportunity for the Penguins that is missed. Okay, that's fine. You look to the next one, and we will talk about the next game and the next series coming up here after the break. But before that, we have some very, very good news that we saw on Wednesday. Evgeny Malkin, finally, for the first time since his injury on March 16th against the Bruins, he started to skate on his own back in Pittsburgh. Of course, he suffered a lower body injury after a collision in the first period on March 16th against the Boston Bruins. He came back out for a shift tried to test it out, it didn't work well, and then he was immediately deemed week-to-week for the Pittsburgh Penguins, and this is the first time that we have actually seen him on the ice, so it is a step in the right direction to getting one of the all-time Hall of Fame centers back for the Pittsburgh Penguins. That's a great way of putting it. Hall of Fame center, because that is what he is, and that's exactly what this team is getting back. And when he got hurt, man, he was playing the best hockey of of the year himself mm-hmm. it we saw the beginning of the year we saw him finally turn it around and then this so we hope there's not a step missed yeah you really hope that he can just step right back in and play at the level that he was i know that might be a little hopeful as a, as a penguins fan but it's Evgeny malkin so he has that level to where he can do that and he has done it before so you just hope that that's the case again yeah i yeah and i'm sure it may not be immediate, or it's one of the situations where it's the first game back and they dominate. We've seen both sides of this coin. We've seen players come back from injuries um, and not look themselves at all. Where in the same breath, we've seen guys come back and be better than before. So we've seen it all, and you hope for somewhere on the good end of this stick for Gino. We're going to take a quick break here, but when we return, we will be talking about the upcoming matchups for the Pittsburgh Penguins. We'll also be having our final trade deadline primer, as this is our last episode before the trade deadline. We'll be right back here on the tip of the iceberg. Hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network. 
your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network, as well as DraftKings. Visit DraftKings Sportsbook now and use code THPN for your chance at great, great odds on your sports betting. So, Horwat, we said that there's kind of an easy schedule coming up. Obviously, we have the Rangers again on Thursday. I'm not going to say that's easy after getting crushed by them 8-4 to four on Tuesday. But the Penguins are still 5-2 and two against the New York Rangers. Yes, the Rangers are young and fast, but the Penguins usually are able to kind of quell that and match the speed. At least they have been able to this season. So what are you looking for on Thursday? Who do you think starts, and how do you think this game is going to go? See, the who do you think starts question is hard whenever we play New Jersey the next day. Ah, oh, man, it's really hard now. I would say we go to Smith tomorrow slash Thursday, slash the day this episode uh, comes out. And then Jari against the Devils because, I mean, the Devils were a handful for us the first time we played them. Um, yeah. You kind of want your starter in net for that one. And, you know, it's not like Jari's played a whole bunch in MSG. He's played, what, two games now, and one of them was a period. <laughs> yeah, we'll go with the Smith. Uh, for for the Ranger game and God hope for the best. I mean, he was start. No, he was he's on the start of the Boston game. God, you hope he turns it around too, eh? Yeah, DeSmith hasn't had really great outings in the last two games either. But it, it it's a matter of in this game, who do you think is the best matchup? I still think you go back with Tristan Jari, just, just because. You know, last time was his first game out. He kind of got shelled early. No real help defensively. So I think you give him another shot, try to get his confidence up. And then you let a guy like Casey DeSmith go out there and play the New Jersey Devils on Friday. Now, after the Penguins play the Devils on Friday and Sunday, they have an uncharacteristic three days off before taking the Philadelphia Flyers on in a one-game series, the only time this season that we will play a team one time before moving on to the next. But after that, you look at the schedule, you have two games against Buffalo, then another three games against New Jersey. So you're looking at the next two-plus weeks. The Penguins are playing Buffalo twice. New Jersey, they play five times. They play the Rangers once and Philly once. That is, to me, a prime opportunity to try to facilitate a playoff spot. Yeah. The way the Flyers are playing, you get them in there. You said, who'd you say five times? The Devils, five times. Uh, well, you hope for the best with that team. I mean, the Devils did just lose to the Buffalo Sabres on Tuesday. So how that, and then as we'll get to, they just traded Kyle Palmieri mm -hmm. and Travis Zajac. So we'll, we're not taking on a fully healthy Devils team, obviously. And they're, we're not even taking on a team that we faced a couple weeks ago. And they might have Nico Hishier back by that point, which will be a little bit of an added challenge. But the Devils this weekend, at least, Probably not going to have Heishier back. They're not going to have Kyle Palmieri, who's a 30-goal guy. They're not going to have Travis Zajac, who apparently loves to score against the Pittsburgh Penguins. So, yeah, maybe the Penguins match up a little bit better, even though they're playing at Prudential Center, which is somewhere that we have well-documented that we cannot perform in. Uh, even before it was the Prudential Center and whatever the old barn was for that, we couldn't do well. And I've looked those numbers up, and they're not pretty. Uh, the Penguins playing in New Jersey is not good. So, uh, as Hunter said down there, yeah, we do have to bank those points. And we have a great opportunity to do it, so long as everyone can return healthy and playing at the top of their game. I don't see why we couldn't. You know, yeah, the Devils give us fits, but those are five big games. Those are five huge games now. It's become of mass importance here in the last month of the season because after that you think about the fact that okay you have two games left against the capitals you have two games left against the bruins at home which is an important kind of caveat you still have three games left against the flyers so you have some pretty big games coming up against teams that are all right around you and all going to be fighting for that playoff spot so 
yeah, you're going to have to win the games that you need to win. The Sabres games, the Devils games, the Rangers game coming up on Thursday, the Flyers game coming up next week. You need to be taking these games against teams below you in the standings because the teams above you in the standings, they've been able to take care of business. For the most part, they've been able to take care of business. Now, with the caveat of the fact that Boston can't beat New Jersey either it is a little bit helpful, but if you're the Pittsburgh Penguins, you need to win these games. And I would even go as far to say that you need to win these next three games. You need to win against the Rangers to kind of prove to yourself that Tuesday and last Saturday was kind of a flub. And you need to beat the Devils because of the way they, they beat you the last time we played them in a three-game series. Yeah, you really do. Um, yeah, actually, and kind of looking at it again as we do have a back-to-back and then a one-game and then three days off. Boy, we'll have nothing to talk about next week, won't we? Other than the trade deadline. Nothing's going to... Which... We might not have anything to talk about. Yeah, the Penguins might not have anything to talk about there, so we'll see how that all goes. But yeah, they're important games. You gotta. I like the idea of winning the next three. Oh, I love the idea of winning the next three. Now, whether or not they do it is a different question. <laughs> Especially with the Devils, man. Uh, they're, yeah, they're the last two games in Prudential Center this year, right? Yes. Okay, we at least got that out of the way. <laughs> but as I'm looking at the calendar, I mean. They have this, these games, and then, yeah, only a handful in May. We are quickly getting through the month of April. Yes, very much so. Yeah, we are very quickly getting through the month of April. Remember last week, whenever there were three teams tied for the first tied, tied for first place in the in the East. We could easily be there by the end of this weekend again. Yeah, and actually, that's what's funny is that um, tomorrow and Friday, six of the eight teams have are playing both days. Only two not are the Bruins and the Flyers, who I would like to not see the playoffs. So, yeah, huge games coming up for the East. Everyone should be paying attention to all eight of the teams. And whenever I say pay attention to the Sabres, that's just because it's fun. It really is fun watching them be bad. I'm sorry. We had an entire segment a couple episodes ago just kind of pitying Buffalo. The team, the organization, not really pitting the, the organization because it put itself in that position, but pitting the fans especially because of how good they are. And, and you know, we, we shouted out the guys of Straight Up Sabres. They were on that Monday episode with you as well on the East Division Roundtable, which you can tune into yeah. on Friday. It will be on our feed as well. It's, it's about an hour and 20 minutes. It's a great conversation between the hockey troll uh, the guys from the Never Say Die, Islanders Never Say Die podcast, the grumpy old man and TJ, uh, Neil Villapiano, a friend of the show from the New Jersey Devils State of Mind podcast, Taylor Negrelli from the Straight Up Sabres podcast, and our very own Nick Horwat joined as well. So definitely tune yeah. into that on Friday. I listened to it. it. It was a good hour and 20 minutes of content. I had a good time. Yeah, and it wasn't just hockey talk. It was also just great content. If you're here to listen to six guys from the network just bullshit around i mean if if you listen to it for nothing else other than grumpy old man you've done yourself a favor because some of the stuff he had to say was uh it was interesting and quite entertaining for all of our more experienced listeners out there they do delve into government cheese and if you know (laughs) you know that's the last i will say on that but let's get into some (laughs) trade deadline talk of course, this is going to be our last trade deadline primer. The next time we're going to talk is going to be Sunday night after the Pens take on the New Jersey Devils. But at that point, we don't really want to talk about the deadline because our episode comes out Monday when everything changes on Monday. There could be news. And, and we were getting ready for this live show, and news came out literally three minutes before the live show. So we'll talk about that a little bit because when the Penguins were talking about possible trade pieces a lot of people were clamoring to bring in kyle palmieri of the new jersey devils well that is now gone he has gone to the new york islanders he was traded literally about five minutes before we went on air he and travis zajac were traded to the new york islanders for aj greer mason jobs a 2021 first round pick and a 2022 conditional fourth round pick so definitely a lot more given up than we expected for Kyle Palmieri, of course, they did also add in a guy like Travis Zajac who adds playoff experience, and I'm not exactly sure why he was he was added into that trade. Maybe because 
Green missed his buddy Travis Zajac, who was on the island, who was traded there last year. So Kyle Palmieri is off the board. Sad. And you know what? So be it. <clears throat> I don't think there was a real opportunity for him to come to Pittsburgh anyway. Palmieri wasn't the target here. I don't know if there is too much of a target. If anyone has the athletic and has read Josh Yowie's piece uh, that he put up today about um, – the Penguins and their trade deadline ideals from Ron Hextall himself. Uh, it looks like the Penguins might just sit on their hands this deadline, and you know what? You don't totally hate that. I don't mind. You don't mind, because we see that, that the team has done well with these guys stepping stepping up. And we say this every year because the Penguins have been injured every year. Uh, some of the biggest trade deadline acquisitions might be from within, with guys getting healthy i.e. this year it's Evgeny Malkin, Kasperi Kapanen, uh, Tanev, Bluger, four of the more important players in this organization. And there's a great quote because I get to continue boosting uh, and pumping Frederick Goudreau's tires. Um, the direct quote from Hextall was pretty much, the way things have flushed out, we've had some guys do some pretty good jobs in the middle, i.e. Jared McCann and Freddie Goudreau, in concerns of how... Uh, Hextall and Burke are way less active in looking for a center. Less active is the, are the key words there. It's hard to believe that they would be less active while missing their second and third line centers at the same time. In a normal year, without Frederick Goudreau in this organization, um, and our best option for that position right now is Mark Jankowski, oh, I am screaming at the top of my lungs to bring in any, literally anyone. Maybe a Kyle Palmieri, maybe a Dustin Brown, who I don't even think is a center, but so be it. Maybe any center. But mm -hmm. this year, you know what? If you want to keep Jankowski in the lineup, Goudreau can play wing. Um, Bluger's going to come back way sooner than Malkin will and continue to be the most important player on this team. Malkin will come back and be second line. Down the middle now you have Crosby, Malkin, Bluger, who yeah, I, it's still hard. It's still hard to get used to him as the third line guy, but he's been stepping up more than I expected him to this year. He was on pace for career numbers all around. And then Goudreau at center on the fourth line, who yeah, again, not the most ideal. Don't get me wrong, not the most ideal, but he has proved to be better than the alternative, and that's what we need this season. Are these long term fixes? Are guys like Bluger and Goudreau long-term guys to stick around? Probably not. Luger more or less maybe. Well, that's to be seen though. Goudreau's a guy that's just, he's filler for now. Maybe filler for next year as a depth piece. Uh, but you take him year by year. Jared McCann's been able to swing into the center which is good. We have our options. We can mm -hmm. even go if you really wanted to. I mean Colton Sevier has taken, taken face-offs his whole career. That's an option. That's like a last resort <sighs> option. We, we didn't even talk about the fact that Colton Sevier was played in favor of Anthony Angelo last game, and I don't want to get into it because that is a rabbit hole that would lead us to a three-hour podcast. But we have our options at center, and Goudreau's one of them. McCann, like him or not, four points in the last two games. Where the hell did that come from? <laughs> have, have we not discussed that yet? Because we got crushed in both games, so it didn't really matter what the stats said. Yeah, for, yeah. But he is an option. An option. Is he the first? No, but he's there if we really mm -hmm. do need him. Um, we got guys that can that can play the position, healthy or not. We'll just see how it all rolls. I, and when it comes to trades, we don't need to. And, as, and again, we'll take this all back to the first few quotes that Burke and Hextall gave us when they were hired. We're evaluating the team this year. That was the big one for me. Yeah. That, that that is a pretty big key is the, the fact that there hasn't been much news and they really haven't let anything out. I think I called them Fort Knox on Monday's episode and, and they really have been. Yeah. And, and that might be because they're keeping stuff and that might also be because they don't have anything to keep from the media. So who knows? I like the thought of you know holding the cards that you have, getting healthy and seeing what you can run through this off this postseason with what you have now. But because I like to fan the flames of controversy in Penn's Twitter, I'm going to throw a couple names out there. 
Uh, first and foremost, the Ricard Raquel talk has completely died down. So I feel like it's pretty easy to say and suffice to say that Ricard Raquel is not going to be in the black and gold come next week. He has kind of just faded into oblivion. I haven't really seen any trade speculation with him. I know he's still on on the block, but he, he's not a name that has floated up in Pittsburgh at all. Okay. Uh, that That's one of those names that comes around every year for the Penguins. It's like Nino Niederreiter. See, but the same thing happened with Jason Zucker, and then you see what happened last year. Somebody finally pulled the trigger. Yeah, that's fair, but still. <laughs> it took us getting Galchenyuk first. Yeah, fair enough, and also giving up a first-round pick and a great defensive prospect. But when it comes to names that I do like, two of them have not been connected to Pittsburgh in any which way other than us mentioning them on the show. Uh, Mikel Granlund, I've always liked Mikel Granlund, so I think he would be a good addition for the Pittsburgh Penguins in the bottom six. I've talked several times about Eric Halla leading up to the trade deadline. I still think he would be a good addition for the Pittsburgh Penguins. And one that has kind of gained steam and pretty much the number one name right now that has been tied to the Pittsburgh Penguins is Scott Lawton from the oh, Philadelphia yeah. Flyers. And yes, it's hard to imagine the Flyers and the Penguins making a one-for-one deal, not even a one-for-one deal, but even trading NHL players back and forth, which is why a lot of the talk surrounding this involves a third team that would have to facilitate the moves, which is why hockey, in my opinion, is great, because they can't even trade to each other without there being controversy about it. So I have seen Lawton's name. I don't mind having Scott Lawton at all, actually. I, I'm, I would be pretty open to that deal if it were to happen but again flyers are fighting for a playoff spot the penguins currently have a playoff spot so if that deal is to be made some third party is going to have to be included that's such a fun one i think i mean because it is because the penguins now have the former flyers gm they have mark friedman they picked up mark friedman there are some rumors of a messy breakup between hextall and the flyers Rumors or true, I don't remember. It was all a lot of years ago. Okay, not a lot. A couple years ago. Like three years ago. Yeah. But, but so you wonder what kind of ties are, are actually still there. That, that, that kind of trade would have to involve a third team because from what it seems, the Penguins and Flyers won't be making any moves with each, just with each other anytime soon. Um. And Scott Lawton's a big name for the Flyers that they're not going to want to give up just to the Penguins. There's going to have to be mm-hmm. another party involved. And they're going to want to try and fleece us somehow. And we don't want to let that happen. So this is a... I wouldn't say this one is exactly far-fetched. But it's... It's the most realistic that I've seen. Yeah. and what's, Of trades that are going to happen. Yeah, and what's possibly. interesting about this year for the Penguins, at least, is that... Have you noticed that all these discussions of trades for the penguins this year are options ideas they're not hey jim rutherford's on the phone about this player it's, it's a little different yeah. this year yeah and i've talked to a couple of people about this and we were truly blessed to have a guy like jim rutherford because we didn't have to speculate about what trades he was going to make he told us about what trades he was going after basically until the very end and with hextall even though there's not really anybody discussing right now because of the fact that COVID and money and the trade pool is kind of dried up to begin with. It's the fact that these guys are kind of reserved. They are more calculated. They they kind of don't want to play their hand. And again, like I said earlier, they might not have a hand to play right now. They might literally be sitting there waiting for their turn to fold them, but we don't know. And we have four days until we get an inkling of any knowledge of whether or not they want to make any changes to this team because 12 or whatever time the trade deadline is on Monday, I haven't even looked into it. I've been very busy, haven't even thought about it. But whatever time the trade deadline is, two minutes later, we're going to know a little bit about whether or not they want to keep this team or whether or not they look to trade it. And I think that right now I'm leaning towards the fact that they're just going to keep what they have. Yeah, and honestly, that's not the worst idea. Most oftentimes, even on years you are contending and have options to make trades with and or for, uh, a lot of times just holding steady with your team, it's a, it, that's always a good option. You know, mm-hmm. there's never. It's very rare, at least, I mean, the Penguins, we've had one for the past couple of years, but it's very rare that you, there are just anchors that you need to get rid of on your team. This year there isn't one for us. Uh, 
No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't describe him as an anchor. More of a firecracker that was let loose inside of a small container. So it's... And that is not a pun on his red hair. I promise. Ah, right. Forgot about him. Forgot about Mike Bobby Matheson. Orr. <laughs> um. B O J. Bobby Orr Jr. God, he's a forward. Instead of P O J. God, he's still... a forward. You can't convince anyone otherwise anymore, Berlanski. You can't. <laughs> I will still try. He's a defenseman right now because he's lined up at defense. Um, yeah, he's definitely a firecracker. He's definitely not an anchor. He can definitely do something yeah. for this team. I mean, look at his goal from Tuesday. Look at his goal from last night, for what it's worth. That was Tuesday. Shit. <laughs> it's getting late, Horwath. I was thinking his really fun goal. That was Thursday last week, wasn't it? Yes. In the, in the Boston win, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> he's He's an enigma, I think, is what that is. I think that's the perfect way to, to, to put it. He is literally an enigma. You never know what you're going to get, and it's going to be exciting either way. It's going to be a wild many seasons. I don't, when it comes... Go ahead. I don't know where he would be able to go. I don't. I don't know of anybody that's going to willingly take on that contract unless you give them the entire world at the very least as a secondary exposure but I, the only thing i hope for for hextall and burke is don't overreact to recent games i know they won't i know pens fans around the world kind of have tried to overreact a little bit to getting shellacked in two games and yeah it's not a good look but it is still two games it is failure to achieve four points and whether or not they are a massive four points or minimal four points they are four points nonetheless but we're going to take another quick break. When we return, we will have our shout-outs and call-outs to finish off the show. We'll be right back. Hey, hockey fans. I'm Breezy. And I'm Ray Ray. We host the House of Hockey podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. We're lifelong hockey fans who talk about the game and the lifestyle. Our guests include professional hockey players. My rookie party had to wear Speedo, and then we had a checklist of stuff we had to do. Here we go, Gaber, what do you got to say? And it's kind of like, <laughs> you know better than that now, boys. I got dressed for the Bruins. I get a phone call and he's like, dude, we need you over here by the elevator. You got to get downstairs. You got to get dressed right now. Started playing the like, dun, 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 and I turned it around and it had the Olympic rings and said, we did it. NHL team hockey reporters. I actually took the Stanley Cup to this ice bar where they've got now girls around them and I've got a fur coat on. <laughs> I wonder who, who he should checked over here. And then <laughs> I, I looked down at my face. Hockey fans. The entire bar was lined with guys in Kings jerseys. We quickly realized, oh my gosh, this is the dad's trick. And we bring unique hockey stories to light. Coming back to England, 24 right. rings in the entire country. That's where the problem starts with the sport of ice hockey here. Canadian Blind Hockey Association, those few kids we interviewed, their whole week is built around Sunday at the rink. They're just hockey players. We don't agree on everything. Pineapple goes on pizza. <gasps> no, it does not. <laughs> I think it does. But we do agree that there are many people and places that build the House of Hockey. New episodes every Tuesday. Come on in to the House of Hockey podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Welcome back to the tip of the iceberg. I hope everybody that was watching on our live stream as well as everybody watching on our brand shiny new YouTube channel enjoyed that quick clip there that advertisement for DraftKings shout out Shane O'Mac but we're gonna get to our shout outs and call outs to finish off this episode Horwat, who you shouting out this week <laughs> all right so what is what did last baseball season deprive us of fans, fans? yes and you know what last baseball season was supposed to be the Astros hate tour 2020 ah but it was pushed back. It was delayed a year, and it is the Astros hate tour 2021, and the Angels fans showed out for their first, uh, for the Astros' first away game. And I, it was, I think it was the Angels. Yeah, there was the inflatable trash can thrown on the field, which I didn't even know they made. Uh, inflatable <laughs> trash cans. It's just what purpose? What purpose other than that specific purpose does an inflatable trash can have? <sighs> Who knows? But there was that. There was the man who brought, I'm guessing he just took it from the from the walkway, just a whole trash can up to the right field fence. That was so much fun. He was beating that. And I got to find the tweet while I talk and just discuss how much we hate the Astros. But 
during their whenever they were calling out the starting lineup for the Astros, um, I just have to double check that it was the Angels that did this. They played two songs in the two games. The first one was "Before He Cheats" by Carrie Underwood, and the Ooh. second was "I Saw" was "The Sign" by Ace of Base, which, if you remember, is the "I Saw the Sign" one, and. It was the A's. I take it back. It was the Oakland the, Athletics. The Oakland A's. Okay. But still, that's savage. Oh, we're that is that is the definition. We're back. Of savage. The Astros hate Torres back. I we missed it last year. We were deprived of it. I think the Astros were supposed to come to Pittsburgh originally. It, I mean, could I could be way off on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but now that the fans are back, uh, they're not coming to Pittsburgh this year. But still, God, I hope the rest of the MLB does their job. And just really drives it in. Only for this year. After this year, we can let them all go back to normal. Um, but it's going to be a fun year for that, I think. Yeah, I know you're very excited. You were very, very excited last year for the Astros hate tour. And I, I guarantee you the MLB is still the gr- the crotchety old man yelling at clouds. So they will definitely, and their fans will definitely go after the Astros this season. So much fun. Yeah, so I'm shouting out uh, all MLB fans for clowning the Astros and specifically so far the A's and the Angels. Fair enough. My shout out this week goes to the Florida Panthers. Yes, the Florida Panthers who are tied for first in the NHL right now in points leading the Central Division, a division that includes the defending Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning as well as the Carolina Hurricanes who are also playing extremely well right now. So yeah, the Florida Panthers are really good this year. A lot of their players have been really good, including the most underrated player still in the NHL. I finally started to see him get into some top 10 centers in the game conversations. And that's Sasha Barkov, who has 16 goals, 42 points in 34 games. He's having one hell of a season. And then Patrick Hornfist, as friend of the show Dan Kingerski calls him the Viking or, or the just crazy Viking has 12 goals, 27 points in 36 games, a pretty good pace for a guy that was thought to be kind of washed if you're the Pittsburgh Penguins, at least what they thought at the end of last season. So congratulations to the Panthers. They are good this year. They're looking like they're going to make up the playoffs. They're looking like they're going to have a pretty good seed. And honestly, if they end up in the first seed in the central and have to take on whoever ends up in that fourth seed right now, it's like a three-team race. I think the Panthers should be getting into the second round yeah the the discover central division is it's a ride because it's interesting because you look at as we record this at least the fly or the florida panthers with 56 points up top and then carolina's in second with 55 and then there's the tampa bay lightning with 54 yeah it's a two-point separation between first and third and then you go Nashville's in fourth right now with uh, 43. Yeah, there's, there's a sharp drop-off after the top three. It's not pretty. People keep saying the Dallas Stars are going to turn their season around because they're getting over the COVID thing. They are three games behind, and that's not enough to catch. Yeah, but you have to think that that team is not going to let the Nashville Predators or the Chicago Blackhawks, for that matter, get into the playoffs above them. I mean, they went to the Stanley Cup last year. You're really not going to make a make a playoff spot with those two teams ahead of you? Uh, Jonathan Taves-less Chicago Blackhawks? Yeah, but I guess the Dallas Stars are also very injured. I don't know. It's not looking good it's for Dallas. It's a weird season. But, hey, go Florida. I like that. That's cool. It's awesome. They're finally doing it. Finally. Maybe. Maybe it is the regular season. They're finally doing it in the regular season. We'll see what happens in the playoffs because they haven't won a playoff series in a long time. I don't even want to mention how long it's been, but also a a shout out to Joel Quenville. Who's definitely one of the reasons that that team has turned it around the way they have always forget. He's the coach there. I always forget he's coaching there. Yeah. It's his retirement tour down in Florida, but let's go to call out tour. Watt. Yeah. Calling out. I had my note written wrong, but uh, I'm calling out whoever the hell drove into the stage AE sign downtown. This is mostly a local one. And for anyone listening in Pittsburgh who has seen it, uh, F you, man. <laughs> like, listen, as someone who worked there and is still, te- I guess, still not technically laid off from there yet. I You're don't know. affiliated loosely. 
I think we're all still furloughed. I think that's the situation. But as someone who worked there for a long time, went to many concerts there for a long time, man, we haven't had a concert in over a year. It's already depressing. You didn't have to go and do that. I did not see that that happened. That makes me very sad. It's very sad because that's kind of like where um, all the pe- like, pe- people go get their pictures taken out in front of it. It's like a thing down on the North Shore. It's awesome. It's a nice big sign. If anyone who hasn't seen it, well, now you got to figure You're out. You're not going to see it. going to have to make a new <laughs> one, I guess, because it's like a staple of the building. So, yeah. Uh, so whoever the hell did that, um, screw you. You're no fun. You, because apparently the dude, whoever whoever it was, I shouldn't say the dude, but whoever it was, hit it and just drove away. Um, well, that's even worse. Yeah. That's gutless. Yeah. I mean, it was probably an accident, to be completely honest, but still still gutless to drive away from an accident. Yeah, and not even that, but, like, uh, the video reports said that uh, whoever was driving hopped the curb, but that's a hefty curb to hop. Yeah, the, the North... <laughs> The curves on the North Shore are no short. They're not short. So yeah. that that's that's definitely uh, an interesting caveat to that story. Yeah. So, um, and also whoever hung the bumper of the car up back on the sign, screw you two. Because <laughs> I drove past it today and I saw that and I, that made me even feel worse. But so be it. Um, yeah. So I'm ca- uh, calling out whoever the hell drove into the sign at Stage AE. It's just, it's not right. It's not. See, r- I thought it's not right for to hit any sign and drive off, but th- it hit a little more. Anything close to home. hit anything and drive off. Yeah, this one just hit a little more close to home. Uh, there you go. It hit a symbol of your childhood. Uh, we understand. I thought you were going to call out the Texas. <laughs> I thought you were going to call out the Texas Rangers for having a hundred percent capacity at their first game. <laughs> I li- I thought that's where you were going. I thought you were sticking to baseball, but you know we'll we'll, we'll throw a, a sub call out at those guys, yeah, and we don't even need to explain the stupidity of that. But my call out to finish off the show goes to the Anaheim Ducks, uh, mainly and only because they sent down Trevor Zegras to switch him to center after only playing 15 games as a wing in the NHL and working his way up through their organization as a winger. So. If you knew you were going to do this and you knew the goal at the end was to get Trevor Zegras to play center, why did you waste all of this season so far having him play wing and making his debut as a wing and playing him as a wing in the NHL and then telling everybody, oh, we know you're excited about this player. Yes, he has only six points in 16 games, but for the Ducks, honestly, that's probably the most exciting thing that they've had going. And now you're going to say oh, we're going to send him back down because we want him to be at center. We knew we were going to do this all along, but our plan was to waste time and have him play wing, a position that we don't intend to have him play, and then we're going to send him back down so you cannot have any more fun watching our games. And then we'll bring him up eventually again. I don't understand the organizational structure that they have his progression on i did it baffles me and it kind of irritates me because i was getting interested in the anaheim ducks because zegras was extremely fun to watch and now he's back down to san diego gay running team the wrong way yeah it's it's hard whenever you're trying to develop a young player like that but switching positions man that's see switching positions is one thing but bringing him up the whole way to the pros, playing him for 15 games in one position, then saying, oh, you know, we we had already planned to switch him, so we're going to send him down and do that now. It's like, why didn't you do that in the first place? Yeah, I don't know. I, it's the switching positions part that gets me. I, I, I don't mind sending a guy back down to pro, to really progress more. I mean, hell, it's, bas- it's kind of basically what we do with P.O. Joseph this year. Yeah, but... To me, there's a difference between just sending him down because it's not his time yet right. and because there's people in front of him in line that got healthy again versus you're literally one of our best players on the team right now, but we decided that we're going to do this. And it's not because you're not good enough. It's because we didn't do this earlier and we, we kind of forgot to check this box before we called you up, basically, is how I'm reading it. I might be wrong. That's right. You know, you know what it is. It's just because multiple teams can't flip and be fun in one year. The 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 Wild are covering that this year. They're fun to watch now. The Ducks is just going to happen a different season. And, and let's not forget the fact that the Anaheim Ducks were a 
juggernaut team in the Pacific Division, at least in the regular season, for like five years in the 2010s straight. Yeah, because they played for that. They played that uh, def- that slow, not necessarily defensive, but that slow, sluggish New York Islanders type type play, where you they got up one nothing and shut it down. I was gonna just define it with one word, not well, two words, one name. Ryan gets laugh. They play that style of game. Yeah. yeah, and it seems like they still do, but. God, John Gibson can only keep so many pucks out of the net, man. Yeah, somebody somebody needs to help that man. The, the Ducks are still struggling. They're still going to be a lottery team this year. And this is just another story that comes out that makes you just shake your head at that organization. Currently last in the Honda West division. Not last in the NHL. That is reserved for the Buffalo Sabres. Not far off that, though. <laughs> The Sabres are streaking, so. That's going to do it for this episode. Horwood, any last words for the folks before we send them away for the weekend? Uh, don't panic yet. I think we said that quite a lot this season. Um, we're still in a good playoff spot, so don't panic. Trade deadline's coming up. Maybe entertainment will happen elsewhere in the league. Uh, but either way, we'll come back to you like nothing's changed on Monday. <laughs> Well, that's it for this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg. Thank you to everybody that tuned in live on Facebook Live and Twitter Live. Thank you to everybody that's tuning into the video version post-haste on YouTube. And thank you to everybody that tuned into the podcast version as well. We love all of the support that you guys give us, and we cannot wait to come back on Monday with a new episode. Let's go, Pens. Have a good weekend, Pens fans. You can follow us on Twitter at Nick Horwat 41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You can also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. This podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcasts from, so please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. We are brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. You can visit them on Twitter at HockeyPodNet or at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. Every team, everywhere.